I want to talk today about this, the nurturing nature of God. That actually motherhood in its, in its healthy, full expression is an expression actually of a part of the nature of God. And we talk about God as a father and he is a father. The Bible says that he's the father from whom every family on earth derives its name. And so he is the father. A father is an initiator, right? But we, we, we talked about healthy family or kingdom family a couple weeks ago. And you know, the reality is, is that God, before he created us, actually, God is so complete. This is quite a, quite a bizarre statement, but it's true. God is so complete in himself that before humans existed, he was living out family within himself. Because he's one God, but he manifests himself in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, God, God is the only person who can be a family all by themselves. And so, <clears throat> when we were created, what he was doing was looking to bring children into his family. Pretty amazing, isn't it? If you think about this. You imagine God is the only being who is eternal, omnipotent, and self, self-sufficient. Well, we go, what does that mean? He never gets hungry. Yeah, he never gets hungry. He, he never gets old. He never gets tired. But also, he's never alone. He's never been alone. He's never felt lonely because he's so self-sustaining and self-sufficient that our God has never felt alone. Is that amazing? It is amazing because when we realize that, when we get with him, then we know when we have that revelation, then we never have to be alone. It's amazing. So we're talking about the nurturing nature of God. And we're, um, you know, growing up, I would say the way that um, there are some aspects of God that now looking back, I had been experiencing growing up without even realizing it. And partially because of having such an amazing spirit-filled mom. You know, I mean, I remember like, I, I just have memories of hearing my mom in the next room, just with her guitar, just worshiping away. Just worshiping the Lord. You know, often I would come in and she'd just have her Bible open. And, um, and, and, like my and like whenever I come in, if my mom was home, there there was peace in the house because she just carries this peace. And uh, it's funny how when you grow up with something that you you thank you, Sharon. I was looking for that. See, that's a mom right there. And um, it's funny how when you grow up with something, you don't always you don't know what you don't have, right? And, and sometimes you don't know what you have because you've always had it. And um, and so I look back now and I can go, oh, because to this day, if I go to my mom's house and it's not it's it is the, the fact that I love my mom, but it's richer than that. It's the peace and presence of God that she carries because of her her connection with the Lord. And um, to this day, it's great. I'm 44 years old. I'm a grown man. I've, I've been married for 22 years. I've got adult children, still raising a couple at home. And, you know, you're still a dad to your adult children, too. But, and, um, 
And to this day, all that being true, if I go to my mom's house and I sit on the couch, it's like, oh, man, I can just, I just feel, oh, I'm just so relaxed. Everything that's on my mind can, you know, and then if I sit with my mom for any length of time, she has this thing about her, like everything in your heart just starts to come out. You just want to share everything in your life, you know, because she's such a safe counselor. And um, she listens and she's always had this way of just like, she'll listen and then she'll just kind of say one statement. And then you're like, huh. You know, it kind of sticks with you. And to this day, I have those things work, simple things like, you know. Profound things, but also simple things. I remember once I, I came in and I was upset. I was just a kid. And I was upset because some other kids um, didn't believe something I was telling them. But I was telling the truth. But they didn't, but they didn't believe me, right? And I came home and I'm like, they, they said I'm lying about it, you know? My mom, she's just like, you know why they think that? It's because they lie. And I was like, I was like oh, that makes sense. I just walked away like, <laughs> you don't believe me because you're not believable. You know, like, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. She just had a way. And um, to this day, anyway, so thankful. And really, that those aspects of motherhood, right? What is he? He's a wonderful counselor. Right? He's the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the one who comes alongside and pleads your case. He's the comforter. The teacher. And, and we, we often talk about the masculinity of God, but what we don't always understand is that God made man in his image. And when he created man, he created us male and female. We're going to read that. Genesis 1, 26-27. So we're going to, this is our verse today. I'm going to mention a couple verses probably as we go. But um, Genesis 1, 26 through 27, Holman Christian Standard Bible. Um, so if it doesn't match. But sometimes if your eyes are fast, you kind of just get two versions at once if you read along. So um, Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Powerful. The word image... We'll unpack this long today, but I'm kind of lit up over this because you ever have God reveal something to you and then it connects to this revelation that he's that's been stewing for a really long time. And you go, wait, that goes with that. You know, it's amazing. But uh, anyway, so the image there is um, it's it actually is like and in God. There is no shadow. But follow me. The imagery is like a shadow that is cast. So it's the shape of the one who's standing. And so and so let us create man in our image, but also in our likeness. So it goes a step further so that not only are we created in the image of God, but we're created in his likeness. And um, and so. And he says, they will rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock. This is amazing. In our, in our, in our image, in our likeness, we're not unpacking this today, but it includes rulership because God's a ruler. So if you're like God, you're born to rule. And, um, 
and, and release his kingdom wherever you go. The birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Powerful. God created man in his own image and his own likeness. So, so in other words, what we understand from this is that without both men and women, we cannot have a full expression of God on the earth. It's powerful. And, um, you know, being a part of a, a different ministry teams for years, I remember decades ago, well, it was probably two decades ago, when I really began to hear the message about God's heart to empower women. And, and I grew up, it's funny the things that stick, it, that, that you learn that no one really says out loud. Right? So I was at a men's breakfast one, one morning in Clear Lake, California. And uh, we're in this little coffee shop owned by a believer in town. Bunch of men from all different churches all around getting together for coffee and fellowship. And I'm like the youngest man in the room. I'm like 20 years old at the time. And, uh, and uh, the, there's a man there and he says, um, oh, I'm just meeting people. And he goes, yeah, well, we go to, I go to this church over here and, um, and uh, where my, my, wife's, my wife's the pastor. And I'm not kidding you. No, please don't get mad at me because it was innocent. But I literally was, I remember there was this part of me like, wait, you're, uh, I remember thinking like, you, can you do that? And I had, no, I had nothing against women. I just, somewhere along the way, though, that message was displayed. And no one ever told me women can't be pastors. But, but someone told me that through a way of life or something. And, and I remember, and I said, you mean, you mean you're the, you're the pastor? No, my wife's the pastor. And he could tell he was enjoying it a little bit. And, and, uh, and, I, and I was like, oh. So starting from there to, I went, whoa. I mean, and I didn't, I didn't, have, a, I didn't have a debate. I didn't have a dog in the fight. Do you know what I'm saying? It was just like, you can, really? Uh, amazing. I thought, well, leave that to God. And, <laughs> and, so, and so then, thankfully, I began to actually hear some teaching about it, God's heart to empower women. And then you begin to see, isn't it amazing how something can be all through this book? And you, you have theology that it doesn't exist. And you're like, I just believe the Bible. And you're like, yeah, that your filter is straining out lots of stuff. And we've all had that. You're like, there's women from start to finish in this book being used of God. And, um, and then even in the New Testament, the women that are in ministry and that, that Paul empowered women in the ministry. And there's evidence that there was, Women apostles and oh, it's amazing, you know, and Philip had four daughters that prophesied and and um, and so on and on and on. So, you know, I have a much deeper understanding and value for that. Now, now let me give you a little context of life. Um, what I've experienced is then 
being on ministry teams, pastoral teams, where literally. Um, so what happened is the leadership that was teaching that and realized, you know what, women actually are being oppressed in the church. And and so today it, it's the, the, the full empowerment of all people is just growing in the church. And um, and so in that team, they began to hire more and more pastors because they realized, hey, if we're going to be preaching this, we need to demonstrate and live it out. And um, and so I've spent years on on a team where it's like half and half, like half women, half men. I think we I think we tipped the scale one year by one or two where like there were just like one or two more women pastors on the team than male pastors. And um, and I've also experienced the joy of really healthy female leaders. Like I've I had. I, I have, there's many leaders in my life that I highly regard and highly respect. And I don't think anymore whether they're man or woman. It doesn't even matter to me what a healthy leader is a healthy leader. And, um, and so, uh, anyway, so, I mean, I, I've met women and, um, had one, one who was a leader of mine for a handful of years who I think is one of the best leaders I've ever met, not for a woman. I mean, I've ever met. And and so, and who I am personally inspired by. Anyway, I'm just honoring women today. And, and have you noticed that cultures that suppress women are really scary places to be on the earth? Have you noticed that? Because I really believe that when when women are being oppressed, Everybody's oppressed because oppressors are oppressed. The reason oppressors are oppressing is because they are living under oppression and fear. That's another. It's another subject, but. And so the more. People are living in freedom in the body of Christ, the more the more freedom gets all over everybody else. Amen. So we honor women today and we're talking about the nurturing nature of God. So, so part of God's nature is that he is nurturing. Okay, now we can focus on different elements of the nature of God, right? He's powerful. I like the power of God. I love the power of God. I feel the power of God right now. <laughs> I love the power of God. I love the power of God for deliverance, for miracles, for signs and wonders, that's the power of God. Love the authority of God. You cast out devils, right? With authority, you shift atmospheres with authority. I love the authority of God. There's another element of God, and it is it is this nurturing nature of God. As a matter of fact, there's a name in the Bible for God. How many know God has? God uses many names for himself in the Bible. And it's not because he's trying to figure out what name he should go by. It's because his nature is so deep and so vast that one name just doesn't sum it all up. And so and so one of the names of God in the scripture is El Shaddai. Now, it's translated often in the scripture, the almighty one. So there is... 
in the name, this idea that God is almighty. No one is mightier than God. But when you get further in and you really start to read what the what the scholars say, Jacob's let me read something to you that I that I wrote down. Jacob's blessing given in Genesis forty nine twenty five indicates that El Shaddai might be related. This is a this is what one scholar wrote might be related to the word for breasts, Shaddaiim, indicating sufficiency and nourishment, i.e. Blessing, the, like the blessing of the breast and the womb, the, uh, the ability to carry and birth life and then to nurture it in health and strength. In this case, the name might be derived from the, from the contraction Shah, which is who, and D-A-I, which means enough. In other words, it's the one who is enough. Or further said, the one who is more than enough. <laughs> it indicates God's complete sufficiency to nurture the fledgling nation into fullness. Powerful. Because when you look at the nation of Israel, it's a miracle that exists that it exists today. The, from the inception, from the birth of a from the time God spoke to Abraham, one man, and said, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And today we have a nation. And against all odds, seems to just continue to be saved and covered by God in ways that you're like, how? How are they there? How are they existing? And yet there could be no other explanation except for it's God's ability to nurture and protect his own. <laughs> we see this same heart and so actually and and even uh you know rabbis hebrew scholars would would all agree that the name el shaddai actually describes god's name with a with a feminine it's like a it's like a feminine attribute you go we well, can't god god's not a woman no he's god he's not a human Right, he became human, he became a man, and he walked on the face of the earth. But you have to understand is that when God displayed himself, it's in man and woman. And you can see this nurturing na nature of God even in the life of Christ. He was the shepherd, right? He's like, I, I leave the 99, I go after the one. Read this, though. I'm going to read this to you. In Matthew 23, 37... It's also in Luke 13, 37. But in Matthew 23, 37, Jesus, he's looking over Jerusalem and he says, and you, if you could just hear, it's not the it's not the English accent King James Bible movie. You know, the, the emotionless Jesus, right? Like, I'll tell you, Jesus was one of the most, he was the most passionate human, the most passionate man. He was God and man, but he was a man. He was the most passionate, complete man to ever walk the planet. And he is the prototype. And sometimes as men, we're a little uncomfortable with emotions. And, and you know, and, uh, but you know what happens when you experience proper nurture, 
you get free. Now, you might think, well, that's just manly. And everybody's different the way they express themselves, right? We don't all, we're not all the same. But, but being free in our emotions in life really is key that our hearts are fully alive and flow with life the way God has designed us. And you can hear it in the voice of Jesus. If you could just put yourself there. He's looking over and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. She who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather her children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Yet you were not willing. Do you ever think about that statement of Jesus? I want to gather you like a hen. <laughs> I mean, think of, he could have said, Jerusalem, I wanted to gather you like a general gathers his soldiers. But he could have said it much more manly. Couldn't he? But no, what you hear is, this is a, this is a part of the nature of God to nurture us into wholeness. Not to scold us, into performance or perfection, right? Not to send us to our room until we get better. Not to punish us until we do better. How many know it never changes you? Punishment never transforms you. Anyone better? Anyone ever been like bitterly punished and you were like, man, I just that just changed my life. I'm a better person after that. Man, my heart. I just, you know. Actually, you, you know where this is really beautifully displayed? Where, I think it's Genesis 17. I wrote, I wrote a note. But, but God says to Abraham, he says, walk before me and be perfect. And now in the context, if you study it, in the context, it's again, this name, the name of the Lord there is El Shaddai. And he says to Abraham, this is how I always read these verses. Abraham, walk before me. And be perfect. So I imagine God on his throne, or maybe he's standing with his arms crossed. Abraham, walk before me and be perfect. Now be perfect now. Don't make any mistakes. I'm watching you, Abraham. You walk before me. Okay? And you be perfect. And, and, and you, you, what does that make you feel immediately? You're like, I know I can't do that. Right? I'm, I'm already failed. The first thought I had was a failure. You know, it's like the minute God says, prove to me that you can be perfect, I'm like, well, I'm done. I can't. And, and uh, religion tries, but it never wins. And religion conforms, but it never transforms. Well, in the context of this verse, check this out. God is amazing. So even in this Old Testament context, El Shaddai, this nurturing God, is actually saying to Abraham, because what he didn't say is, be perfect and walk before me. He said, walk before me and you'll be perfect. This is the context. It's actually, he's saying, walk before me and you will be made whole. Abraham, if you'll just come and walk before me, you are going to become more and more perfect. I can't do it. It's okay. You don't have to do it. Just come. Walk with me. And before you know it, you'll, you'll find that you're being perfected. 
Isn't that amazing? And really it's opened up like, oh man. How many thought God was mean a long time ago and then he got really nice after Jesus? You know, and it, it's like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, be perfect. All right, I love you. Come here. You know, and um, no, he's always been the same. And so, so the gathering mother heart of Jesus is seen. It's the mothering heart of God. He wants to eliminate fear in our lives. I want to hit this twofold today. You know, somebody said you are hurt in relationship and you're healed in relationship. Do you know, where, wherever there's brokenness in our life, it's come through relationship. Think about it. I mean, if your dog, if your dog chews up your shoes, you might be upset, but you're not deeply wounded. Depends on the shoes Bill said. But yeah, but <laughs> that's awesome. It might take longer to get over. But, but you probably won't carry bitterness, maybe towards your dog. But, um, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, we get hurt in relationship and then we're healed in relationship. Now, if you grew up and for whatever reason, uh, you didn't feel nurtured, maybe, maybe women in your life or maybe other things, then what you do is you can build, because of that hurt, you you develop mechanisms for protection. And then what happens is you start to label an entire lot of people. In other words, maybe women or police officers or, do you know what I'm saying? And then also, what we don't realize is that because that is... That place of being nurtured and living with a vulnerable heart becomes really scary. When you close your heart, it's closed. So when you close your heart, it's difficult. Like you can't you can't have bitterness in one area of your life and be completely open and free before God. It it just doesn't. You take it everywhere. God loves you anyway. He overcomes it. And he's always working to nurture you out of that place. But what can happen is that, in other words, somewhere in my life, I, I got hurt. You might not even remember where it is. And now, even like emotional situations make you uncomfortable. In other words, even in worship. Like, I, you know, I just don't want to express myself openly in worship because that's just a bunch of feelings. But it's not just feelings, it's passion. You know what it actually is? Better said, it's expressed love. It's expressed love. You know what I'm saying? Well, I love you in my heart. And you know what? If that ever changes, I'll tell you. You know, no, because love needs to be expressed. And so when we when we are locked up in our soul, God wants to nurture us in that area. And it feels kind of scary sometimes. It is. You know what it feels? It feels vulnerable because it is. You're like, oh, you ever share, you never finally share openly with somebody and it feels so good in the moment. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, man, why did I do that? I'm so embarrassed. Why did I share that? You know, like if you ever did that, they call it a vulnerability hangover. You know, like the next day, you're like, why did I do that? Oh, my gosh, I feel so like vulnerable right now. You know, like 
what if they think I'm just an idiot? You know, for you know, you ever? How many have ever done that for real? Look, it's it's a normal human experience. But here's the thing: what you know is, if you've ever felt that, you know you were actually vulnerable. The key is to be vulnerable with people that can be trusted with your vulnerability. You know. And God is one of them. And it was amazing because I had this message prepared and and we got up to pray this morning. I came up to pray with the worship team. And as soon as I walked up, this exactly what Andrew was praying. And I was like, I love how you do that, God. You just confirm what you want to talk about. And um, and she was praying. Oh, yeah. That people would know that they are loved in every part of their life. And, and I can't I don't remember her exact words, but it was that prayer. Right, Andrea? Is that, am I saying that right? It was that general message of like, of like that, you know, and that, that you would never feel alone anywhere, that there's no place that you would feel unloved. And, and I was just thinking about, you know, moms are supposed to be like one of the safest people on the planet, right? And, and, and sometimes their mom wasn't, so whatever, but in a perfect world. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit always is. And, 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 what, and what we need to realize is that the more honest we can become with God and with people that we trust, the more we open up our soul and our heart for the Holy Spirit to come in and nurture us in that place. And then you get healed in the place that used to be scary and pretty much and pretty soon you feel stronger than you've ever been. You feel freer than you've ever been. And you become more comfortable in your skin than you've ever been before because you're fully known, you're fully loved by God and by people. And it really is for everyone. And um, it's amazing. Like you even get men around and once there's trust in a group, men, they just start when they start sharing, you can just tell like everybody wants to every every human being. Now, it's not just a desire. Every human being has an innate, like a need, a need, a cry in the heart to be fully known and fully loved. Because the, the less I'm known, the less I believe that I'm loved. The, the more of me that I have hidden, the more parts that I have set aside, the more the accuser says, they love you now, but if they knew that, they would not. But when you get light and love into every corner of your heart and life, then the enemy's got no dirt on you. And, and he goes, well, if they, if they knew, oh, they do, they love me. And I don't need to be loved by everybody, but we do need to be loved. Amen. And this is something that we can experience. Ultimately, it all comes from God. But, we, but God's desire is that we know the Holy Spirit this way. That like if I've got something weighing on me, I'm going to talk to somebody. But you know what? That's, my, that's help. But God's my source. And, and that source may flow through somebody and probably will. Because God has this multifaceted approach to, uh, to nurturing us in our lives. But also he wants us to be able to know 
that if I lay down on my bed at night, no matter if I feel like I'm failing, no matter if I feel like I made a mistake, like, oh, man, or, or oh, you know, I forgot to run that errand. You know, even those things kind of get to you sometime, and you, the accuser wants to get to you. And, and you know what? It's God's heart that you will just, that you can just get quiet or wherever you are, driving your car, and you can just hear him say, I love you. I love you so much. Like when you're beating yourself up, God, I had this picture yesterday. When you're beating yourself up, kind of raking yourself over the coals, God is looking at you. If you're born again, you're his. And God is looking at you and, and, and he's going, oh man, I love you so much. And you're like, oh man, and what, you know, and just kind of believe in the lies about yourself for a minute. But if you could see your father, if you could see God, that he's not even discouraged. He's not even bummed. He's not even worried. He's just like, you know, if you just look up and see how much I love you, you're going to all automatically. And, and the amazing thing about God, his unconditional love in that way, his ability to nurture us in every situation really is, is unlimited. Now, sadly, sometimes we don't find that out until we're in just such tough situation because you're so humbled <laughs> you've got nothing left and then you're just like God help and he's like you know you could have done that when you were on the mountaintop and it, it, would have, it was available then too you know what I mean and I think that's another aspect of God's desire to love us that he doesn't just want to nurture us and love us when we get a scrape when we fall off our proverbial bike, if you will, you know, and, and pick us up when we're in pain. He's ready to do that. But he's such a nurturer that his desire is to nurture us so that we thrive. So much of so many of us are used to surviving, you know, and you're like, oh, it's emotions. You know, I don't need that. And you're like, you don't need it to survive. But if you want to thrive, he wants to make your heart whole. And I just really felt like the Lord really wanted to just release an assurance this morning. That, you know, He really truly is the one who is in your boat. He's in the boat of life with you. You know? Like, like we don't have to call up to heaven for help. It's like calling up to heaven. He's like, I made my home in you. I'm inside of you. I can't get any closer. Except relationally. Physically, you'll never get closer to God. But you'll spend eternity becoming relationally closer and closer and closer. And that is the closeness that the heart desires. To be known, to be loved. To be nurtured by God. That He is nurturing you. He is watching over you. He is protecting you. He really is. He, he, will, he, will, he will get you through a challenge. He will get you through. It, you know, sometimes He averts it, but if you're going through something tough today, 
in your life or there's something you're believing God for, you know what? He, what he wants us to know is, I am with you in that. Not only that, I'm not silently with you, right? It's not that you just look back and go, oh, there's two sets of footprints. Like, you know, it, it, oh, you carried me. You know, he, he, he wants, it's, it's that, it's not just that he's silently with you. It's that in wherever you are, every stage of your life, God is revealing himself to you by his spirit. He's speaking to you. And so that in every season you become closer to him and your heart overflows with more of the richness of the knowledge of God being known by him and knowing him.